one go. Hi. Hi. Hello. I was just literally thinking about today when we were watching, I was watching the episodes because it's the introduction to Melissa Scully. I was like, God, my voice is so high and annoying. And then the second we got on here, I'm like, <laughs> wait, what does Melissa Scully have to do with anything? <laughs> I want to have her voice. Oh, okay. I wrote so those. Uh, I'm skipping ahead, but I wrote that um, <laughs> I was writing. I was like, God, I wish I had her voice. It's like so raspy and hot. And then I was like, Oh my God, Emily has that voice. You sound oh like God, her. Please, you do. Please, you do. Listeners, tell me I'm right. Please, um, she has a very special place in my heart. That actress, because she's she also in Mad Men. <laughs> One of my favorite characters in Mad Men ever. Wow. Bobby Barrett. What a badass. <laughs> Is that her um, name? Yeah. What a good name. I know. And also, like, Melissa Scully just... <sighs> I'm skipping ahead now, too. The Sorry. Scully sisters, like, own my entire body, soul, heart, everything. Mine. <laughs> yeah, Maggie really went off, huh? Maggie... Maggie just she was like I'm gonna put all of me into these women and she did they're my oh my god those women together I was like wow the power anyways anyways (sighs) Anyways. we need to stay on track today because we have a lot to do you're correct I just want to say um (laughs) you look so cool right now do you think yeah thanks I feel really cool I say like I did (laughs) (laughs) look at my fun jeans I'm wearing the I Those know. Ones, the patchy ones. They're so fun. Is that the flannel that I got you? Yeah, it is the flannel that you got me. <laughs> Emily, this is one of the coolest best friendships I've ever had somebody do for me. I had a flannel that I would wear all the time. We would just like hang out on FaceTime. And I was just like, this is my ex-boyfriend from high school. Isn't that so funny? And Emily was like, you need a flannel that's not going to remind you of your ex-boyfriend. And so she got me a new flannel. So that, that's so much better than my old one. So now I don't have to think about my shitty ex every time I want to wear a flannel. We're reclaiming, remaking memes. I know. It made me so happy. <laughs> and it's like almost exactly the same thing. I was so surprised. But you picked that one out, so I knew that. Yeah, I know. But, but I love it. I love it so much. <clears throat> Yay. Yeah. And Stevie's got her hair up all fun and like a little pineapple bun. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's so cute. It's in a pineapple bun with a little scarf because it's raining today. Very Melissa Scully vibes. Oh my god, thank you. I wrote that I resonate with her so much. Like, it's not even funny. I know. She reminds me of you. I identify with <laughs> Melissa Scully. Fuck, I guess that means I gotta be I gotta be Scully. Oh, fuck, I guess. Poor thing. That sucks. I guess. I mean, <clears throat> no, Melissa, like, has her shit together. Scully has so many issues. <laughs> it's true. Melissa's really grounded and, like, just with it, and she, like... Boy, do I have do I have something to say about? Oh my god! Okay, we need to stop. We need to keep going. All right, I say keep going. We've been recording for two minutes. So it's gonna be a ride. So so um, we're doing (laughs) we're doing what we did last episode today, which is combining two episodes because three is trash and does not deserve its own episode. Um, three doing today. Three does not deserve anything. No. So we're going to give it what it deserves today. Yep. Next to nothing. But first, we're going to do a sex corner because when we combined two episodes last time, we missed it and um, we had time for it. So we're going to do that today. So we have a little question. I'm going to read it. 
It says, hi, girlies. This is a long one. Sorry. Um, you never need to apologize. This is not long. Yeah. <laughs> that one was not long. Not long. My best friend and I have been super close for as long as I can remember. We spend pretty much every day together, and when we don't see each other, we are constantly texting. Sparkle emoji. We've both never had a boyfriend, so her parents have started to assume that we are more than friends, but that's not the case at all. I see her more as a sister. Long story short, I'm bisexual, but I've never come out to her yet because I'm scared that she will start to think that her parents are right and that I do have feelings for her. I really don't want to change our friendship, but I feel like I should be in a position where I feel comfortable to share who I am. I don't really know what my question is, but I just wondered if you guys had an opinion on what I should do. Thank you. P.S. You're both incredible, and I'm so thankful for the pod for helping me accept who I am. Kisses. Kisses back. Kisses back. Um, So I think Stevie and I are pretty much in agreement because this is like a tough one, um, but not for any reason that you can take control of. Yeah. and so I think there needs to be a distinction between this like very valid um, anticipating the potentially hurtful reaction that your friend could have, that someone you love could have after you've entrusted them and honored them with this information about yourself. And then between trying to control a situation that is like too far beyond your reach, her relation, your friend's relationship with, your par- with her parents is... is And the influence that they have over her is um, for her to deal with. It's not for you to carry. So, yeah, all you can do is analyze the situation in front of you. Um, Think about your friendship, friendship, (laughs) friendship with her. And like you said, pay close attention to how people react when you tell them good news. Like, this is amazing news. This is so exciting. And so if you believe that she is someone who you want to honor with this information um that's how that's what you make the decision based on um whether or not you want to tell her whether or not you want to um give her this gift about yourself yeah exactly that's it because you're right that this is a complicated situation and it is I understand why you're struggling, but all of the factors in this situation are completely out of your control. So you just got to do what, um, like Emily said, I'm just reiterating exactly what Emily said in case you wanted to hear it again. No, but it is. No, 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 because it's exactly what you said. Like it is hard. Like it is a complicated situation. It is hard. Yeah. Like I wouldn't, like it'd be so hard to figure out what to do, but I think when you accept that all of those problems are completely out of your control and there's truly nothing you can or should do about it. Like there's no pressure for you to be acting a different way. All you can do is be and everything else that happens is completely out of your control. And I, I know when I accept that in aspects of my life, it feels very freeing and liberating because it's like, well, yeah. no matter what happens, I can't control it anyways. So exactly. Like there is like a certain, um, there are very clear points where you just have to like resign to what is going to happen mm-hmm. and do exactly what you're capable of doing. And that's it. Yep. And, um, I would say like when, um, and, and like, this is going to sound like hard, but it's like, if you are worried that just because you're coming out to her as bisexual, that she will automatically assume that you have a crush on her or that you are feeling more for her than just wanting to be friends, like sit down and have a conversation with her, um, and communicate to her that, um, maybe she, that's something that she should sit with and, 
and analyze that about herself and why she feels that way Mm -hmm. about completely individual person being able to maintain a very platonic relationship with someone that happens to be the same sex of the sex that they are attracted to. And all you can do is communicate with her and say, you know, how you feel and say that you're the most important person in my life and I value your friendship. And I'm telling this because I value our friendship. Exactly. And how she reacts is how she reacts. And then, and then, and then, then you deal with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and truly honesty is the best policy. Like as truthful as you can be, the kinder and more, the kinder and smoother the conversation will go smoother. That didn't sound right. Whatever. Um, but it's true. It's true. And like, literally you could just write what you told us here. Exactly. There's nothing that you need to admit. You can be like, I know because that your parents feel this way. And so because of that, I feel hesitant in telling you this, but I also want to be open with you because you're my best friend. And I want to share all parts of myself with you because I love Mm -hmm. you. And that can be the whole conversation. And if she's not receptive to that, then I think that's indicative of greater communication issues within your friendship. That again, out of your Absolutely. control. And it's Absolutely. a different problem to address. Yeah, that's what I would say. I mean, like when I came out to my sister, her response was, oh, like I, I, I expected that. Like that makes sense. Like I knew. And I was like, what do you mean? Like I was like really like it stung a little bit because I was like so you've been like hyper analyzing me this whole time and had like this assumption about me about something that's very personal and because this is very much so a possibility so I understand like you know these hurtful reactions I mean so I understand completely like your hesitancy and and like your dilemma in 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 deciding whether or not to tell her Um, And it is hard to just resign to be like, whatever happens, happens. Like that is hard, but um, it doesn't mean that it's not the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. But I think like, if that does happen, then you heal. It's the exact same thing. It's like, all we can do is protect our energy and handle situations as they come at us. And I came up with this really stupid and like... (laughs) like dumb analogy metaphor but it's incredible it's so stupid Mm -hmm. but like i put off washing my dishes like on the daily on the daily and it's just my least favorite thing to do um until all of my dishes are done and they're all sitting nice and clean drying on my drying rack and so i was like you know what life is kind of like washing dishes no that's so true actually because it's like all you can do is take one at a time and wash each thing once one at a time and then like it feels really good when one thing is done and then like you really really see the progress that you're making when like slowly but surely fewer dishes are in the sink that's such a good analogy oh my god that i can apply that to so many realms in my life because right? I my delete the thing that I dread the most in the world is setting boundaries. It absolutely terrifies me. But man, is the best feeling in the world when a boundary yeah, is set. Totally, like effectively so, communicated and set. The best feeling ever. So it's just, if life were easy, you would be able to walk. You would be able to fill your sink, fill it with soap, and then just take each dish out at a time and expect it to be clean. That's not how life works. It's true. You just take one at a time and then eventually all your dishes will be done. Yep. That's, that's a great analogy. What a perfect <laughs> end that on. And that's it. That's our, that's our advice to you. 
we love you and we support you. You're fully supported. Absolutely. And if it goes, and if you, you want to let us know how it goes. Good or bad, we don't care. Please, I would love that. Yeah, I would love a follow-up. I realize that we don't ever say that on questions, but I, I often find myself wondering how things went. I know, someone said- Or if said, it was helpful. Like whenever people yeah. send us feedback, like, oh, you answered my question and it was, it like helps so much because we're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, we love feedback. Because I feel like, like the questions I know come in from people, but then I feel like, I don't know that they ever get them. Like, I don't know that they listen. Totally, so, like, hear totally, it. Yes. Yeah, I so just need because we, we don't have a delivered that. button, so I just need like some confirmation that yes, it was delivered. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. You don't have to do whatever you want. You don't have to do whatever you want. I don't care. Clearly, but <laughs> um, if you don't yeah. want, if you don't want to talk to us anymore, whatever. That's fine. I, I don't care. I mean, God, yeah, so just leave like my dad. Whatever. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I just sent a Stevie. I just sent a Stevie. I sent Stevie a post about um, like passive aggressive um, traits, and I think that was very passive aggressive, Stevie. <laughs> I think we're being very <laughs> passive aggressive right now. You know, it was actually all planned. I don't even mean any of it. It was because I wanted to weave that post into our conversation so we could post it. There it is. There it is. Sit with your sit with your passive aggressive behaviors. And wow, would you look at that? Okay. At Should that? we start the episodes? Yeah, let's start the episodes. <laughs> okay, so the first episode is the shitty, stinky piece of shit episode number three. It's called, it's called three. It's fucking gross. It's episode season two, episode five. No, that's way wrong. Season two, episode nine nine there we go i'm guessing i don't know i don't know anyways <laughs> wait i can look it was seven oh. so season okay. two episode seven three we oui. uh we open on in hollywood hills california and a man has spilled wine on himself he's also hired a sex worker <laughs> um and it's really funny because every time there's a sex worker in anything you can almost bet your bottom dollar that the man will say, I don't do this. I don't normally do this. And he's in a suit. Like he's a businessman whose wife yeah. just hasn't been giving him attention and he just can't yeah. take it anymore. It's always in there. This isn't who I am. Cry me a river. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course we have the woman saying, I'll do things with you. No one, no one's ever done. Yes, because only a sex worker would be so personally demoralizing. They would do things a proper woman would never do. Oh, my God. I don't even know. misogyny. (laughs) Christ. It's just in like the first two lines. I know. Seriously. I was, I had to pause so many times, not even to write stuff down. Yeah. Just to take a breather. Um. And like this beginning is like very Red Shoe Diaries starring our very own David. Uh, I was able to have a career after doing softcore porn because I'm a man, Duchovny. Go off. You know him? Mm. And it's like, I just, I, uh, I couldn't help but think like, why are we seeing this? It like cuts to them like literally making out, rolling around in a hot tub. They're both naked. And I'm like, why are we seeing this? I don't want to see this. I thought sex cheapened things, Chris Carter. Yeah. I thought showing sex in a sci-fi wasn't what you wanted to do. 
And it's like, they at least be consistent. That's what I mean. It's so weird. So it's like, so we can show it. It's not like the graphicness of sex itself because we'll show Mulder sticking his tongue down another woman's throat and we'll show a sex worker and some old man making out, don't, naked in a hot tub. And we'll show two people rolling around in bed, but like not featuring our, like not featuring Mulder and Scully. Cause like their relationship means too much for them to have sex. Well, no, Emily, Scully is a smart, educated, professional woman. How could she have sex and be taken seriously? Come on. How would the show work? Right. If we saw her having sex, then she can't be smart. Silly. Right. Oh. <laughs> sex does not cheapen things. It doesn't cheapen relationships. It doesn't cheapen intimacy. It cheapens Scully. Like, just say it. Because yeah. clearly, literally, Mulder's allowed to have sex for pleasure with no consequences, but Scully never is. And when she has sex for pleasure, it results in some form of violence or pregnancy. Um, it's like the, I respect you too much to fuck you, even though Scully's been saying, but like, I want you to fuck me like, and respect me. Like, yeah. And Chris Carter's, it's like that, that meme that I love to show you from, um, that one show where it's like, uh, the best I can do is blank. And then you fill it in. It's like, Scully's like, wait, what if I want to get fucked and I want to be respected? Chris Carter's like, the best I can do is fetishization. (laughs) It's like, sorry. Best I can do is fetishize you. Sorry. Like, that's, that's my max. That's all I can do. It's, it's just, honestly, do. it's really revealing about these men's lives that they don't, they can't comprehend um, finding a woman sexy and respecting her. And I feel really bad for the women in their lives. Yep. That's what it comes down to. Anyway, so the sex worker was actually a vampire. Cut <laughs> <laughs> to Mulder back in his office. Uh, he flips his calendar of women in bikinis, which is like meant to say how much time has passed, which just made me think, imagine Scully or like any other woman seeing that in his office and it even being plausible that they would then think, yes, this is an environment where I as a woman will be respected. I know. It's like literally how and on earth would Scully ever feel comfortable in that space as her own? Like, and how is it allowed in a workplace? I, it, it's, I don't know. It's like, oh, but Scully can't have sex and be respected, but Mulder can have a Playboy calendar in his office, in the yeah. place of work. Like, it's so subtle, but so indicative of that unconscious bias. Well, it's like, especially, you know, I mean, it was clear they didn't have any women in the writer's room because if, you know, I'm, me imagining myself walking into a man's office and seeing that, I would An be office like- at the Federal Bureau of Investigations, mind you. Mulder opens his little file or filing cabinet. <laughs> he looks longingly at Scully's file and then at her badge and her glasses and then think, her necklace. I think it's really ironic here that Scully becomes an X-File, an inanimate object that is and always has been in Mulder's possessions. The X-Files have always been Mulder's and she literally becomes one. Yep. Isn't that, isn't that we love uh, symbolism? <laughs> yeah. So, cut to Los Angeles, the crime scene. Um, there's a cop there. He's obstructing evidence. Classic. <laughs> Cute. Uh, so, so, Mulder goes to Los Angeles. He's there. He tells the cop that he's been waiting for these killers to strike again. He knows literally everything, and there's no suspense at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I read, li- <laughs> I read an interview that said one could skip three and miss absolutely nothing. And boy, is that true. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, like I did in my first, in my, the first time I watched this. Very fair. Um, so the cop reminds us all that Scully has been abducted in case we fucking forgot, which a uh, spoiler alert, we haven't. Because it just happened. It's like, yes. sans that this episode is completely separated from material concerning Scully's abduction. It's totally. still informed by it, like in those little moments, but it's like, since there's only one episode in between, I wish they would have just stayed rooted in the mythology instead of trying to do a monster of the week without the other, like, well, and especially like what, with what happens in not the very first scene and then in one in the next episode, but the scene after that, it's like, there's zero continuity between this episode and what happens next. Yep. Like, uh, so Mulder goes back um, to – he goes – not back. Mulder goes to a blood bank because he finds something out. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. And he catches this weird guy drinking blood at the bank through a bendy straw. So nasty. And blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. He gets him in custody and he's talking. They're going back and forth. Then this guy says, he is the father, I am the son, and she is the unholy spirit, which like, okay. Then Mulder puts him in a room, and I think it must be the next morning or something because the sun is rising. Mm -hmm. And Mulder puts him in a room where there is like mostly shade, but as the sun rises, the sun will take up more of the room and this guy's a vampire so the sun will kill him mm-hmm. Mulder's like if he do- if the sun starts to like touch him take him out but like try to get him to talk mm-hmm. so Mulder leaves to not sleep which he made very clear and he and so dramatic um, Jesus Christ I know and then like the guards don't listen to him and uh he burns and he dies then a doctor who's not Scully comes and Mulder and him talk. They say basically that vampires were just people with porphyria in myth and in stories. And it's just so clear that they've done absolutely nothing to adjust the series either now that Scully's not in this episode. Like they just gave Mulder his usual rhetoric plus all of Scully's dialogue about how exactly. mo- vampires are a myth and where they came from. There was so like, much opportunity to really deepen the show's mythology. It's just, I just find it hard to believe that Mulder believed in the fucking Jersey devil, but he doesn't believe in vampires. Well, it's like, it's been said when I was doing research for my thesis, like all I ever saw everywhere was that it seems really consistent that the X-Files do much better with like phenomenon and conspiracy over traditional monster stories like the ones about like any kind of monsters rooted in tradition like werewolves or vampires whatever the fuck like those are never as successful they're just not very good at it yeah so there's a stamp on the guy who died on his hand from a club um so Mulder goes there and we see more women from the male gaze Mm -hmm. um Mulder sees a woman whose reflection doesn't show up in her little compact mirror so he goes up to her and they like flirt question mark i don't know what the fuck that was um and Mulder's like i don't feel normal Mm." and like guess what no one loves me because i'm not normal and it's like shut the fuck up scully loves you literally pretend literally this whole thing like his whole interaction with Kristen, that's her name right yeah um definitely just feels like somebody looking for a hookup right after they got out of a long-term relationship like rebounding hardcore 
Yeah. Like, I'm sorry too, but if Scully was ever being this flirty and this loud with a literal suspect. But what's funny here is that I don't think him and Perry have any chemistry. Me either. Like, and I read um, Glenn Morgan, I read an interview where Glenn Morgan was talking about it. And he said- David, for the, David Duchovny and the actress who, and the actress who plays um, Kristen were actually dating at the time that this episode was filmed. For those of you who don't know. Yeah, and Glenn Morgan was talking about that, about all the problems with this episode, because this one just did not do well critically. No one's surprised. Um, Obviously. And he said, another problem is that Perry Reeves is David's real-life girlfriend. I think because the two of them have a sexual relationship off-screen, there's a tension that's missing that you'd have with two people who haven't messed around. The whole thing is that she should have been so alluring and that there would be chemistry between them, and there wasn't at all, and that's why I think it wasn't successful. And I think that's true. It's like because if they have sex in real life, it's like there's not that kind of tension between them because they've experienced it, right? Hey, Just some stuff to think about. Just, Just like sit with that. Food for, for thought. Yeah. When <laughs> um, Morgan said it, not me. Mulder's ab- – this is like very jumpy, but Mulder's about to suck on her bloody finger when the- <laughs> but then he's like, AIDS. And Kristen admits that like she wants to die, so – she just leaves and she finds a different man who's going to suck on her finger, which like kind of, that's kind of iconic. Mm -hmm. Um, So her and this other dude go somewhere and then obviously he dies. Mm -hmm. It was at this point where the Eve metaphor started Mm -hmm. to take hold. And it's like this idea that women are seductresses and they just want to harm you and they like lead you into danger I think earlier, the guy who ended up dying in the sunlight said that snakes eat flies. It's just the way that it is. And like, apparently the snake was what told Eve to eat the apple and and led her into just all of this like biblical. And all, all of that transfers over into one breath. That's the only like parallel they could manage to maintain was all the snake symbolism and how that affects Scully and her religion and all of that blah 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 whatever i don't hear any references to adam though that's the interesting part that i'm finding i don't i'm not seeing any of these men Mm-mm, no because they are three-dimensional and exist outside of archetype so you know but the women don't yeah now i know so Mulder goes Mulder and like the other people go to the crime scene after that the second guy was killed and like there's not a single woman on site in that scene Mm-mm. <laughs> um so they find Kristen from her fingerprints on one of the um containers there and they go to her house some takeaways her curtains look sweet they're oh, so yeah they're angelic. cool she has this like reflective black refrigerator which like I don't know why but I was like that would be really hot if like someone wrote Mulder and Scully having one of those and like fucking against it yep I agree I, I don't know why no, it would be, though. It was just, I've never seen a black reflective refrigerator before. I know, it was cool. And then uh, Mulder fingers a loaf of bread with blood in yep. it that's mm-hmm. in her oven. Mulder waits at her house <laughs> while everyone else leaves. He waits there, like, into the night, and she comes home, and Mulder's like, I'm going to protect you, even though she's an accomplice. Because... <laughs> I found a really great quote. I fuck. I didn't write. He wrote it down. 
I'll find it later. But I found a great quote talking about this that says, treating Kristen as a stand-in for Scully and implying Mulder needs to to redeem himself by protecting Kristen reinforces the rather unfortunate sense that Scully's abduction is all about Mulder. Something unfortunately reinforced by... And then they talked about how, like, by airing Firewalker right after one breath, that enforces it even more. But, like... Oh, it's just so yuck. Yep. Um... And then Kristen talks about, like, how her father showed his love to her by beating her. And, like, why? It's the, like, the be my knight in shining armor. I'm so damaged. I need you. Like, And then John, the dude who died in the beginning, also beat her. So, like, neat. Cool. I love perpetuated trauma. And then she says that. That's just the way it works sometimes, and I deserved it because I'm a temptress, and I lead men to do bad things, and I pay the price for it. So I found it interesting, like, why? Why does she have that history of trauma? But then, you know, okay, if you're going to give it to her, whatever. This woman is allowed to recount more of her trauma to Mulder than (laughs) Scully does in the entire fucking series. Yep. So that happens later with Skinner in one breath totally it's like oh my god yeah like so uh, and and it happened in sleepless with um augustus cole or whatever random man the random military men they're all they're they all went through their random war criminal got to explore it but scully never does like what so basically find out that kristen is running away from the two men who are helping her kill these other people or she's helping them she doesn't want to do it anymore, and now Mulder's here to protect her, like he says, because <laughs> all men need a submissive woman who wants to be protected so they can restore their manhood. A strong, autonomous woman is so deflating to the male ego. He could never live with just Scully. How would his masculinity remain intact, Stevie? I couldn't tell you. That's really hard. Poor Mulder. I know. Mm. So then she's like, well, if John's dead, I'm not in any danger, so I'm staying here. And Mulder's like, okay, me too. And, like, he's so trusting. Mm-hmm. Well, she's a for woman. Someone, How could she be a threat? Right. She's a woman. For someone who, she's a for woman. Someone who <laughs> just said, I find it hard to trust people and, like, dramatically left the room, letting a vampire do all of this, including shave his fucking face yeah is a little trusting quite trusting don't you think i think so david literally wrote in an interview he was just like why would i let her shave me (laughs) like he didn't even understand literally so what we're talking about listeners uh basically i saw this scene come on and i just wrote i'm sorry what the fuck is happening yeah because uh and then i thought oh my god no wait I how could I forget right my favorite scene I love the scene where Scully sits on the counter and she shaves Mulder's face for him and then they make out and they have sex on her chair I love that scene (laughs) wait it was Mulder and the random vampire in the middle of season two like okay it's it's just I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but like the fact that she like got up on the counter and was like, "No, made me so mad," and like was holding his face. It's like, even if they didn't fuck, it didn't matter. Like, why are you 
why are you initiating this level of intimacy with someone who is a literal accomplice to murders? And I think, why wouldn't you do your two main characters the justice of allowing them to explore that much intimacy? Because that cheapens things. Also, have you ever noticed that, have you ever noticed that Jillian is like the only person who's ever talked about that relationship and not said that sex would cheapen it? No, she says, because she gets it. David has said it. David has said it. Chris Carter has said it to the point where if I had a dollar for every time he said it, I would literally be um, a billionaire. It, be, it, it really reveals um, how these men view women that they have sex with. Totally. Like in literally <laughs> the second season, Jillian was quoted as saying like, honestly, I just think that they should fuck each other's brains out. Yeah. And she's <laughs> right. She's absolutely right. Because if any, it would just, it's not even because I want to see them have a whole ass sex scene. If they, they could do a whole series without it, but if they would just acknowledge the relationship and and let that intimacy grow, like, why not do that? Chris Carter being like, no one, or David, whoever said this, I think David was like, no one wants to see them like arguing about who left the toilet seat up or like who left the cap off. Yes, they do. It's like, yes, you don't know. You don't know anything. Well, it's just dumb. It's just, I think they viewed, these men view domesticity and intimacy and love and romance as feminine things. And so they think the show is not going to be taken seriously if they explore feminine topics. Holy shit. Yep. Wow. That belongs on a plaque. So fucked up. And Jillian is the only one because she's the only fucking woman involved in it. Exactly. And she's like the only person who's like, sex means whatever you want it to mean. Who's like, sex doesn't make something cheap. Like, because oh, she's a fully evolved human. She has emotional maturity, yeah, unlike Because these men. she's a fully evolved, emotionally mature woman. That's the only reason that she's able. Oh. Mulder basically says, only my dick can stop her from her vampirism. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, so they fuck. And then uh she Kristen is walking into the kitchen and like John is there. Apparently he's actually alive. The guy who supposedly burned earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. He tells her to kill Mulder and continues to abuse her. He's like, I'll always love you, baby. Whatever. Um so Kristen takes a knife and she goes into her bedroom and she tells Mulder what's happening. And she kills the other dude, the father, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Um And Mulder goes out and he ties up John, but then there's a different woman and Kristen kills her and then herself. I guess they all die. Like they all die. And then Kristen lights her entire house on fire. And then Mulder is like sitting in the field after the firefighters are excavating the area. And he's like looking at Scully's necklace, which like, first of all, fuck you. He's literally like, I couldn't save them and I couldn't save Scully. And he makes everybody's death about him. Like, and also, I mean, no offense, but like Maggie Scully gave him that necklace to give to Scully once she was back. And like the thought that that was dangling between him and another woman while he was inside of her. is fucked up. Like is beyond fun. Maggie Scully gave that to him to motivate him to keep looking for her daughter. And he says, I'm going to wear it and go have sex. Yep. Yep. And then I just have to ask, like, can Chris Carter pick a fucking struggle? Either the show is about their personal lives or it's not. 
if you're choosing to make it about their personal lives and their sex lives in a way that's not relevant to the case, then like, hmm, there's this post on Tumblr that I have to read because it's just perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the post is, I think I'm team Scully's sex life shouldn't be relevant to the case any more than Mulder's is, but definitely shouldn't come with life-changing consequences every single time. And if she wants to just not have sex for three years, that's fine. Girl doesn't have to be sexy or interact with random people at all times. What I'm saying is she should have fucked a hot vampire in season one with no consequences, then continued living her weird girl life in peace. And like what I'm saying is that like sometimes, most times, Scully goes home after work and she eats her silly little pasta (laughs) and she reads her medical journals while fucking Francois Hardy and... Alanis Morissette plays in the background (laughs) and guess what whether she's doing that or fucking sexy divorce divorce divorces is that how you say that divorces 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 people have been I'm talking about edgers (laughs) yes um I think it should be her business and very much what makes her whole and abundant, not something that is sexualizing or titillating about her. Because you know what's fucking titillating about her? The way she takes note in her book notes in her books for fun and eats ice cream out of the container and makes herself come so hard her vibrator ends up under her bed. <laughs> and like yep. also that she has the autonomy to make her own bad and often good and very often good decisions. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's awesome. I don't have anything else to add. And that's three. And that's three. And Ooh. it deserves three out of ten stars, and that's generous. And that's only because of the way that Mulder moved his jaw, which I didn't talk about, even though all I wanted to do was scream about it. Oh, my God. Like, I'm sorry. We hate the episode, but, like, can you see his tongue? I, I, I would like to know, like, if he they were making out like that because they were actually dating or if, like, he would have just done that to – I mean – I mean, we saw him in Red Shoe Diaries. That's what I'm saying. But, like, that was truly softcore porn. So, not the x He didn't know how to rein it in. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Okay. Anyways. Mm-hmm. So, this critic wrote, Would three have worked better if Alex Krychek had been kept around as Mulder's partner for an episode or two? Would the show itself have been stronger in the long term if it had allowed Gillian Anderson a bit more time after her birth of her daughter? And it made me realize that, like, this show literally might have been stronger in the long term if they had given her more time because they would have actually had to try and they would have actually had to develop her abduction plot more, which would have allowed, which would have allowed her more exploration in the long run. But they were lazy, so she got abused and the show's mythology falters in the long run because of it. So not only is she fucked over because they fucking made her come back after 10 days after giving birth, but the whole show is. Exactly. One, that's proof that Jillian, I mean, not that you need proof, but that's proof that Jillian absolutely deserved more time off. And yeah. it was very, it was a very viable option yeah. to give her more time off. One, two, um, it's a testament to truly how lazy um, the creators of the show were. Mm-hmm. Um in developing things outside of what they had intended for the show. It also is somewhat of an insight into like just how 
not interested in the show or the plot or the characters Chris Carter was ever. I mean, like having Jillian Anderson come back after being in the hospital for six of those 10 days, even after major surgery is horrific. Yeah. And if you want to nitpick it and you want to think of excuses for that fact, fine. But if you just allow yourself to look at it and look at it for what it is, it is, it's, it's just like Jillian was absolutely right when she said that. I just assumed that it was, you know, me paying my debt for becoming pregnant in the first season of a show. Yeah. And it was we that can- I literally could not properly heal from major surgery. Like it was intentional is my point. Yeah, it absolutely was. And I was, another critic that I was reading from about this episode said, like, first of all, it's pretty fantastic that Jillian Anderson came back to work so quickly. She only missed a single episode of the show during her pregnancy, which is a phenomenal accomplishment. That is one incredible work ethic. And she seems quite consistent with Brian Fuller's observations about working with Anderson on Hannibal years later. It's a staggering commitment to the show and one that deserves all manner of appraise and recognition and i'm like right but can we all see how like th- that misses the point completely and it's like as a society misses- especially with women we i said like as a society especially with women i feel like we often solely praise people for persevering through horrific events rather than condemning the cause of the horrific event that they had to go through yeah like it is incredible yeah. that she um it is incredible that she came back so fast and that she has this like fucking badass work ethic and commitment. But when she, it wasn't a choice. It was intentional, like you said. And she shouldn't have had to come back so fast in the fucking first place. So she shouldn't have That's, uh, had accomplished this quote unquote achievement. Like what? Yeah, it's like this. It's like the trope of the, of the strong woman just yeah. playing out in real life. Yep. It's like this fetishization of this strong woman who puts who has no needs of her own who perseveres through trauma that was very avoidable yeah when it's like that's the thing the trauma could just not have happened in the first place and her perseverance through life simply as a woman would have still made her worthy of the title strong woman yep so we open the episode with Maggie Scully telling a story about baby Dana. Mm-hmm. We love. Basically, Bill Jr. got her BB gun. They were shooting at a snake. It started to bleed. Then Maggie says, once she realizes, once she realized what she had done, Maggie, Maggie, she didn't kill the snake. They all shot at the snake. Basically, Maggie had a little mental lapse in judgment, but the whole point is, is that Dana Scully, it feels so weird calling her Dana. I know. Scully cried because the snake was dying. Yeah. And like, it's all metaphorical and whatever. Um, Very meta. Like the biblical illusion between Scully and the snake that comes up, then that snake that comes up even again and never again, which definitely contributes to the discourse around Scully's mortality. But this author's name is Rhonda Wilcox, and she wrote something called Unreal TV. And she wrote, in one breath from the second season, Scully's mother recalls aloud a story of Scully's youth. There is a snake and a loss of innocence, but the Garden of Eden story is reversed. Scully tries to save the snake. Catholic though she is, the character does not accept the patriarchal story. 
And I just thought that that was a cool take on Scully's Catholicism, the way that... Inch- oh, I get... Because in the original story, it's like the snake is the one who leads her to towards evil. Yeah. But in Scully's story, despite that, despite that narrative, she still tries to, say, to save the snake. Despite yeah. it leading, quote-unquote, women towards evil. Yeah. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. Thing. Which is definitely like p- putting her in a martyr role, I think. It's playing into that you like when you cracked it that one time with Scully being the female martyr and uh, and yeah, right, Mulder right. being fucking Jesus. But um I think it's a cool take to think that she's not accepting that patriarchal story, but then also she's definitely being put in the martyr role. So I agree. And also I like that definitely fits because like when you think about Never Again and the snake tattoo that she gets the whole idea of the snake tattoo is that she gets it in rebellion to the man that she will never leave. Yeah, and exactly. That's the symbol of the Ouroboros is like she will constantly and always go back to him. Yep. But she does it in rebellion against uh, him yep. and gets it in the same spot where he constantly touches her. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's very her. There's so much symbolism that's very Scully. There. Yeah. That's very scully. Um, and then, like, so Maggie is kind of, like, recalling that event. Yeah. And then cut to present day. And Mulder and Maggie are picking out Scully's tombstone. Like, yeah, I don't... Maybe Mulder shouldn't have been fucking around with a vampire and should have been spent that time looking for her i know literally maybe god just like and that's what i said in the last for the last episode just absolutely zero continuity i know for them to go from him fucking a vampire to him picking out her tombstone yeah and then he's telling maggie that it's too soon to give up but clearly he has right (laughs) like what and so like the overarching theme of three which i told stevie before we started (laughs) even recording was like jillian had to be gone for one episode and that's the best they could do with david duchovny whereas david left for an entire season i know and a half pretty much and what did jillian do she fucking carried yep yep you're right even with a completely unsalvageable plot like i'm a complete dummy and like season eight and nine really make no sense to me, but like I watch it because Jillian Anderson fucking demands my attention, She's especially season job. nine. Oh my god, yeah, like her acting is off the charts, and it's like th- three. If it did anything, it solidified that this was a two-hander, and then that argument Absolutely. can be challenged when he leaves because I think that she carries it without him, but he definitely can't without her. Summed it up perfectly. So they transition. We transition to Mulder. He's sleep sleeping, trying to sleep. He's watching porn. Watching porn. I never noticed sleep. that until I was listening with my headphones. Yep. Um, and his inter- his porn is interrupted by a call from Northeast Georgetown Medical Center, and it's Scully. <laughs> Scully's been found. Also, interesting little tidbit. Apparently, in the Spanish translation of the show. It shows that the woman on his screen is saying something like "Don't leave me," mm. but it doesn't. It doesn't pick up in the English version. But like in the Spanish oh, version, the woman on the screen is saying "Don't leave me." Oh, interesting. Do with mm. that what you will. 
So Mulder shows up at the hospital and he goes to Scully's bedside where Maggie is and he doesn't say anything to her. He like wants to, but he doesn't, which good. Yeah. Out of respect, yep. one would assume. So instead, he unleashes a tirade on the doctors and starts trashing the desks. Yep. Like starts screaming at the doctors because he partially he partially wants to know what happened to Scully and who her, her, hurt her, but also partially wants to know if he can add another file to his government conspiracy folder. Yep. That's exactly and that's, it. And it's just like so, you can act that rage in a believable way, but there was no mm-hmm. build up to it. It was just like quiet, 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 scream. And I was like, what? Exactly. Well, it also just doesn't make any sense that he would hesitate saying anything to, to Maggie and like, because he just wanted to like let her be. Yeah. And then he would walk like 10 feet and just start screaming. Like, yeah, that's exactly what she wants to hear. I know. Did you notice that one of the, that the doctors was the head of negotiations lady? She's just the star of the episode. Again. <laughs> She's also an I want to believe. Stevie and I watch I want to believe for Stevie's first time. Don't help me like that. The other day. No, that's exciting. That's so exciting. I haven't seen it. I'd seen clips and things, but I hadn't sat down and watched it. <laughs> And I didn't. Wow, what a ride. Not what I was expecting. Anyways, not important right now. But Anyways, so Scully's in a coma. Oh, I don't know if that doctor- was clear. Hold on. The woman who is the head of negotiations in Ascension is the yes. nurse in this scene. Yes. And she's been featured many times. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see where she's, else she comes up. She's a star. It's just wow because it's two episodes later. I know. I know. She's they had different a, hair. She's, so she's, a, she's multi-talented. Please, that never fucks me up. That is everything. Fucks I you be. up. It fucks me up. I know, but that's everything I want to be. That's everything I want to be. Shut up. You are that multi-talented. She laughs. I'm like, she's so hot. Oh my god, so powerful. Then, then I'm all like- of a sudden, the, ca- <laughs> the camera pulls back, and there's another person sitting there. <laughs> oh yeah. And she's like, "You guys are flirting," and the guy's like, "No, we're not." <laughs> the guy turn up the heat. <laughs> guy is overwhelmed he's so overwhelmed like he also can't look away okay we have to give context to this too what she (laughs) emily quoted i'm multi-talented which is a quote from an interview that jillian did with some guy and they're like on like good morning australia or something yeah they're like fully they're fully flirting it's so (laughs) flirtatious we'll link it it's so good that look it's that anyways so um scully's in a coma And the doctor's basically like, I know fuck all. And they have no idea what happened to her or who brought her to the hospital. She just appeared. Appeared All washed up. and It was the damnedest thing. (laughs) The doctor is like, we can't examine her for evidence because one, we don't care about women who've possibly been assaulted. And two, she's already been bathed. (laughs) So apparently apparently Mulder signed her living will. And he tells them that she she doesn't want to be in she doesn't want to live in this condition so they're like fuck honestly her being that scientifically detailed in her will is so in character though so in character like her being like when the glasgow count is like that's exactly what she would do and she absolutely like sat him down and like went through it with him okay i'm trying to say this really really calmly <laughs> okay then we're introduced to melissa scully my uh, second baby angel oh my god i love melissa i fucking love melissa In scully her outfits 
She just makes me like, she like warms my soul. I know. When I first like, watched the show for the very first time, she came on my screen and I was like, oh, it's me. Who is I was this like, woman? my sister. I was like, it's like, who is this girl I see staring straight at me singing to my screen? me. When will I be? That I'm Melissa Scully inside. This is so chaotic. I can't stop thinking about the interview. <laughs> okay. Woo! Okay. Wow. We gotta pick okay. up face. <laughs> okay, so Melissa's hovering crystals over Scully's body. I love Aww. that. That's the fucking most precious thing I've ever seen. She's doing a clear quartz, which is a good choice. Awesome to know. Mm-hmm. Scully sisters just like have me in a bear claw by my heartstrings. I know. And that's my feelings embodied, encompassed. Hello? So Melissa tells Mulder that Dana, it feels so weird to say Dana, but that's what they call her. So Melissa tells Mulder that Dana told her not to call him Fox just now while she's in a coma and that Dana's deciding whether she should stay or move on. Cut to Scully in a boat. Uh, Also cut to Jillian so raw from the major surgery she just had that they didn't even have to put makeup on her to make her look blue and frail. Which she says, which we'll we'll link all of the things that she has talked about, um, about this horrible, horrible episode. We absolutely have all of the evidence. Yep. Um... So Mulder's being annoying, like, to Melissa, and is basically just, like, completely shutting down everything that she believes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, what's it like to shut down someone's beliefs and make them feel like shit about them? Oh, wait, you wouldn't know because her sister never, ever made you feel that way. Yep. So he gets annoyed at Melissa's, like, personal healing and dealing process and leaves to do something that's actually useful. And it's like Mulder, yeah, Mulder may believe in aliens, but he still never pass up an opportunity to punch a hole through a wall because that's helpful. Typical man. So Frohickey comes to visit Scully. In a full suit. But he sneaks out her charts and the lone gunmen start analyzing her medical data without her consent or knowledge. Like the vessel Chris Carter, like the vessel Chris Carter intended her to be, Heart. Then they go through, they talk about a bunch of shit, like she has branch DNA and whatever. And then Byers says, whoever was experimenting on Scully is finished. Stop. And then we transition back to the hospital. Um, A woman named Nurse Owens is talking to Scully. And that, I think, is like... The, aside from Melissa Scully, is like the biggest breath of fresh air yeah. in this entire series. It's so nice to see someone treat Scully like that. I know. And to be asking her questions and to be talking to her and telling her what the, she's going to be doing to her yep. and what her intentions are without actually doing them first. Mm-hmm. It's just so respectful and it just was, I, I loved it. I know, me too. Nurse Owens is one of my favorite characters. Me too. So, in the end, we find out that, like, Nurse Owens isn't a real person. Mm-hmm. 
And I thought this was interesting because this is another example of Scully's like intuition. Yeah. Um, Guardian angels, stuff like that. Yeah. Like, and it, and it manifests in a very similar way that it did in all things where mm. there's a presence in her life that manifests as a being with someone else's soul. Like how the woman in all things is actually Mulder. Yeah. And now nurse Owens is her father question mark. Maybe possibly, maybe just a guardian angel. I was thinking that nurse Owens was just her inner strength embodied in something separate. Yes. Because I was so mad about the fact that I'm going to get into this later, but about the fact that Mulder's, um, affection and care is supposed to be what brings her back, um, which makes me want to die. And so I like, see, I disagree. About what? I don't think that, I don't think that, um, that was the message. About Nurse Owens or about Mulder? About Mulder. Let's wait until we get there. Okay. But yeah, so potentially Scully's inner strength manifesting as this woman, mm-hmm. um, guiding her to what she knows in her deepest intuition and in her heart of hearts knows is right for her. So another nurse comes in, the woman who's been in this show 50 times, <laughs> she takes some blood and then some sketchy dude who is like next to her, Scully takes the blood and Mulder chases him into the parking garage where Sloppy Toppy stops him at gunpoint and tells him to stop looking for who did this to Scully, that she's dead and there's nothing he can do. And Mulder listens to him. It's very sweaty. He's like yelling at him, but yeah. like whispering yell. It's kind and of erotic. It's kind of erotic. And then Mulder's like, okay, fine. And then he's like, psych, fuck you. I'm saving my wife. And he runs, chases the dude again. And he catches him. And then he gets Scully's blood back, but uh, this dude's, like, not talking. And, of course, because Mulder can't just be like, okay, I got it back. Like, everything's good. Like, let's just go back. He has to know who this man is. It's all very high action, very action-packed. Anyways, Sloppy Toppy has to come save him. And he also has to kill the dude who wanted Scully's blood and says to Mulder that this is what it takes to get to the truth that you're seeking out. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think this episode was so successful for like four reasons. There's one like profound urgency. Yeah. Because at first when you told me that this episode was like on the top episodes of the show. Yeah. I was like, like oh, consistently. Okay. Yeah. But I think the the intense urgency is is one of those reasons, especially mm-hmm. after three. Yeah. Um it's definitely refreshing. Yeah. Two, the realization that like this truth that Mulder is searching out is much bigger than Mulder had ever thought. Like mm-hmm. I was definitely jarred when Sloppy Toppy killed this dude. Like I don't think that we've seen that that brash reaction mm-hmm. yet at least not tied to Mulder or that Mulder has seen and therefore we have seen yeah and three Mulder's acceptance that he's in love with Scully and like also obviously for just the fact that like Jillian is back yeah but like yeah so cut to the hospital Scully's below the criteria listed in her will and Mulder says to the doctor Maggie and Melissa that she has branched DNA which can be treated with designer antibiotics it's just some Prada like that'll work (laughs) if you get her a Gucci bag she'll be fine she'll be fine it's all it's okay just do it I'll do it I'll go get it let's go bitches we're going shopping (laughs) kidding 
kid and losers. losers. Mulder says to Melissa and Maggie. And Mulder basically says, like, and not only that, but she needs to be studied to find out what's wrong with her. We can't give up. And Melissa says she's not a piece of evidence. Love her. Just let's just take a second. Just I love her. Melissa Scully. Melissa says that keeping someone who wants to die on machines is unnatural and Mulder is like, you're an idiot. (laughs) And then Melissa's like, it's not politically correct, you asshole. It's human. Yeah. Once again, we love Melissa Scully. We love Melissa Scully. And then Melissa says, I love her. And I would like a study done i think melissa is the only person in the entire series who says outright that she loves scully and like that just made me weep melissa scully melissa and and date and scully mm-hmm. are very very no, special David to me Mulder said i love you in the hospital after triangle okay but like but it doesn't feel real it doesn't feel it genuine doesn't feel like real. that it doesn't feel genuine it doesn't feel real and it's not meant to because like she makes a joke like she makes a joke. Scully makes a joke out of it, and I think the writers made a joke out of it because they wouldn't have written Scully making it. Do you know what I mean? But Melissa and Scully are very special to me because I have a sister, and so like, there's truly no bond like the bond between two sisters, and so any fucking slander against Melissa Scully will not be tolerated in my presence. Like, you can bet on that. Hell no. That's it. So Maggie basically says, we're listening to Dana. Mulder pouts and Maggie gently rips him a new asshole. She says, you've always respected her just like me. And now you need to respect her because she can't convince you to. I love Maggie Scully so much. Me too. Like the Scully women. The Scully women, top tier legends. Um, And that makes, like I could genuinely write an entire novel about why I hate Chris Carter solely because of what he did to the Scully women, including Emily, Dana, Maggie, and Melissa. Mm -hmm. And like, it would be 500 pages long. Oh yeah. So they take her off. They take Scully off of the ventilator and like Jillian's back in her little boat. She very (laughs) dramatically, the rope rips and she floats away um <laughs> then we transition to Mulder. he's in skinner's office and he's giving him a taste of his own medicine finally i, I know. was like actually rooting for Mulder in this i know this I too and Mulder basically says that cancer man is behind scully's abduction and he knows that skinner knows him and that they're working together and in, mm-hmm. in some capacity and skinner's like people do be dying and like is a little too comfy not knowing how the fuck scully died yeah and if I were Scully and I ever found out that's how he acted, that, that he acted like this, I think I, I honestly think I would kill him with my bare hands. Literally. And it's like all of the review. I was reading a lot of reviews of episodes today, um, if you couldn't tell. And um, all of the reviews that I said praised Skinner in this scene. All of the Absolutely ones that I read, not. they all were no. like, he is clearly moved by her. He said he was like, not only was she a good agent, but she, and I was like, I don't, but I liked her. But I, I liked her. her. I liked her. I'm like, <laughs> if you unclench your jaw, I'd be emotionally moved. But right now that's all I'm thinking about. God. <laughs> Stop moving your head like that. But I liked her. 
know how his neck doesn't hurt. He must have so much tension just up here, like neck, jaw. Seriously, that's why no hair grows on his head because there's just <laughs> no blood circulating. Mitch, we so, can fix your baldness. Yeah. So um, but I completely disagree. The feeling, the yeah. the bad taste that was left in my mouth after hearing him in that scene. No, me too. Mm. Absolutely not. Because he's just saying, we're just going to accept that this happened and we're not going to continue to look and try to find justice for her or, like, prevent this from happening to another agent. Like, nothing. It's just, like, resignation. And the fact that he, that this has been, like, one episode since he was, like, actively trying to look for her. Yep. Not a great look. No. (laughs) So, Mulder's, like, Right before he leaves, he says, what if I knew what, what could have happened and I never told her? And Skinner's rightly like, then this is your fault too. And yeah. Which is accurate. Yep. Now we're looking down oh, on Jillian in a white nightgown. Her boobs look so uncomfortable because they've somehow managed to make them stand straight up on her chest, which like, Oh. So her boobs are clearly huge in this because if you hadn't heard us say before, she gave birth 10 days earlier via major surgery. Thank you. Emily is the boob expert, a resident boob expert. Um, and confirm. <laughs> and there's an interview that she did after the series. I think she's promoting the fall or something. Well um, after the series. Yeah. She was all tan and she had long blonde hair. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, is that what I should Google to find it? <laughs> yeah. No, I actually know. It was on an Australian TV show. Okay, we'll link it. Um, but she, is ta- she talks about how all of the crew coined this um, – joke name for the episode and they called it one breast because her boobs were so big and film sets are i think it's something like 90 percent of the time they're definitely majoritively male if not all male and um that's that's harassment and like yep. that's just fucked up that they're commenting on her body so much that they make it a joke and like no one fucking get on here and tell us to take a joke because absolutely not like because there's a difference between joking about a collective experience that you and your female friends go through, yes, where your boobs change size, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, throughout the month, throughout your life, throughout because of a pregnancy, whatever. And then there's and then there's uh, coming back from giving birth and having a predominantly male set comment on your body period Mm -hmm. let alone your boobs that are being used to feed your newborn yeah you should not be on set anyways and they're making jokes about how big they are like are they five years old it's just ridiculous and it's just fucked up and it's just another example of the fucking harassment and discrimination that she had to experience because of her pregnancy on the show yep God, that's so infuriating. Like, I can't imagine being in that environment and having them comment on her body like that. I'm saying comment, like make fun of her body like that. She's like, I just, after she just birth, she just carried and grew a human inside of her. And you're like five years old making a joke about her tits. Are you kidding me? Yeah, literally. It's just disgusting. Mm. She's like, they're huge because they're growing food for my living child that I just gave birth to from my body. Like, so Scully is laying on a table 
and her dad walks up to her um which is like very reminiscent of um what's that like purgatory like she's like on the verge of like she's like seeing her dead father but like she's whatever she's in limbo or whatever yeah so he's like confessing how much he truly loved her and how she was his only reason to keep living he had three other kids but and that the most tragic thing about death was never getting to see her again and that because of that single fact he felt life had been the length of one singular breath and that he would have traded everything to spend another second with her maybe you should have fucking let her know that while she were alive you stupid little bitch boy first of all second of all i don't give a fuck about what her dad feels i want to know how she feels about this abduction like like they gave her all of her emotional depth through her dead father love that (laughs) love that seriously all of the emotional depth that happens for scully is through her mom's telling that one childhood story and her dad giving this fucking speech to her nearly dead body and they're like that that explores it doesn't it totally yeah so ahab is like is basically like you're not dying yet and she's like yes sir because she reached the ultimate rebellion, which was dying, and he finally gave her the attention and validation she needed to resurrect herself. Jesus Christ. Um, but really, Nurse Owens is her voice and her angel, and she yeah. brings her back. Yeah. I think Nurse Owens brings her back, which is to my point that, yes. So, which is to my point that I don't think Mulder was, was what brought her back. I don't think so either. I'm saying I think that's what the writers are trying to assert. Oh, I don't think that Mulder brought her back. I think that Nurse Owens did. But I think that the point of Mulder's journey was that by him making that choice to go be compassionate versus going with the revenge rape plot. Oh, interesting. He, that his him choosing to come be by her. She says, I had the strength of your beliefs. Like, Interesting. But then I have, okay, I have a counterpoint. We will get into it later. So then Melissa and Mulder show how differently men and women grieve. They're in the cafeteria. (laughs) Melissa's like, karma's a bitch. Like, whoever did this to her, they'll get what's coming to them. And Mulder's like, I'm going to kill someone. (laughs) So Mulder reflects for like two seconds about his role in Scully's trauma and her abduction. Mm -hmm. And then this like woman is like, do you have money? Or do you have a, I don't remember what she says. Do you have money so I can get cigarettes? Yeah. And Mulder's like, no. And then she's just like, hey, look at this. There's already a pack in here. She goes, oh, not my brand. I'm like, girl, they're having this is a, a hospital. <laughs> they're having a conversation. Like, what? <laughs> she's over so there. That. They're literally <laughs> mid-talking. She's across the room and she's like, oh, look. She's Calling like, to- oh, there's already a box in here. <laughs> my brand though i'm like he's not gonna Melissa's fuck like, you what's happening also you're in a hospital i know there are people dying around you <laughs> she really wants her cigarettes <laughs> so then Mulder is like oh my god okay so for some reason that makes him go and look at the pack of cigarettes because they're morley's and and he opens the pack up and there's a little post-it note in there with an address on it. Gee, I wonder whose address it is. So I think that that girl was sent in by Skinner. Like she was told to do you that think? thing. Yeah. I mean, surely. How else why, would he why find would, it? Yeah. 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 She definitely was planted. And then after he reflected for two seconds, he was like, just kidding. I'm going to actually kill someone. Yep. 
He was like, that was enough. That was enough self-reflection for the rest of my life. Hard. Mm-hmm. So Mulder goes to the address. He has been yelling a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. And yet it still doesn't compare to the acting Jillian executed in one scene of Beyond the Sea. That's one of the biggest which- things that I learned in, in college when I was doing theater and stuff was that so many of the male actors that I worked with, their immediate jump is rage, always. Any big emotion, it goes to rage. And you can be so much more powerful speaking in a low and stern voice and like being very specific. And that can be way more intense than just screaming. Well, because like if you think about it, how often in your life do you like scream, scream like at this level? Like very, very, very rarely. If, if ever. ever. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's unrealistic that he would just be unleashing. It is. It's so <laughs> unrealistic. Everyone. And yet when he yelled, you son of a bitch in, in cigarette smoking men's face, my only thought was that I wish you would yell at me like that. And then the feminism left too. my body. Like that one meme. That's the idea. <laughs> the feminism leaving my body when Mulder yells in cigarette smoking men's face. I support yep. it. I yep. support it. This is when I would like to bring up, I don't know if I said it, Mulder goes to smoking cigarettes, smoking man's house. Yeah. He's there. He's got a gun pointed at him. Mm. He's yelling at him. This is when I would like to bring up the IMDb trivia fact. <laughs> uh, here's the fact. David Duchovny was so amazed by the fantastic performance of Gillian Anderson in Beyond the Sea, showing Scully's feelings about losing her father, that he asked the writers for an episode with emotions like that for him. The result was one breath. Yeah, worst fucking trivia fact ever. Jesus Christ. Literally, just say you're insecure. It's okay, babe. Say you're insecure. (laughs) Say that uh, you saw her act... I mean, listen, not like it made a difference. She still won all the awards. I know. She still won the Emmy. That was, it was cute though. It was a cute try. So then Mulder's yelling at Cigarette Smoking Man and Cigarette Smoking Man says, don't, don't try and threaten me, Mulder. I've watched presidents die. Okay. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? It doesn't mean that him shooting you in the face isn't going to end your life. I don't understand. Like, what relativity what relativity does that es- establish that you're old as fuck yeah good one ooh. like ooh, i'm so wrinkles i'm so scared i'm like oh okay Foo. Mulder literally could have killed him and everything would have been fine yep like he could have married scully they could have had a thousand babies but Mulder likes the chase Mulder likes to edge Mulder is a fan of edging, but seriously, he likes the chase. He does. His, his, and here's a little thing, right? Cigarette smoking man says, you can literally kill me, but you'll never know the truth. And that's why I'll win. Mulder is in love with the game more than he's in love with Scully. And it's we true. see this. We see this manifest in multiple points in their relationship, platonic, romantic, otherwise. Mm -hmm. And we've seen another instance where Mulder should have taken a shot and he didn't in whatever (laughs) episode that was. Yeah. 
And like that is his original villain story. Like he is his own worst enemy. It's true. He's he's gotten himself into this search for the truth and is unwilling to do what he needs to do, which is like kill people, clearly, to not prolong his own suffering and the suffering of those that he loves. And like Cigarette Smoking Man also has the answers that Mulder needs, but like he'll never tell Mulder. Yeah. So it it's it's one circle where it's like he's never going to find out the answers. He's not willing to kill for the truth. So what's left? It's like he's never satisfied with the knowledge that he does get. And so no matter how much he always wants more and he doesn't care who suffers as a result. Like he doesn't care how horribly Scully becomes his collateral damage. Yeah. Like he just doesn't I care. think he prioritizes that like quest more than her totally. Way. Like I think that he he has a sh- a pretty shitty moral compass. Mm, yeah. Where like committing a singular act of violence now for a lifetime of peace for you and the people that you care about doesn't take precedent over preserving one life and putting those that you love in yourself through immense traumas. Yep. So Mulder tries to resign from the FBI because he's lost everything and he hates himself, which Mm -hmm. is fair. Yeah. And is very much aware of this catch 22 that he's gotten himself into. But to be honest, like, uh, it's too little too late, my guy, because Scully will now be impacted for the rest of her life. So there really is no more, the, the ability to walk away has passed. The ability to walk away to protect it's gone. Yeah. Then Skinner comes down and is like very dramatically rips up his resignation letter. And Mulder's like, wait, you're the one who gave me Cancer Man's location. And through this very unnecessary and fucking elaborate Vietnam War story, Skinner's basically like, don't give up. Skinner okay. gets more depth and reflection than Scully does in the entire show. In Precisely. this moment. Yep. And his spray tan is really bad. It's really, really bad. Like, he looks dirty. Like, he (laughs) looks like he just got done sweeping some chimneys. Like, he just popped out of Mary Poppins. It looks like he was making, like, a facial expression when he got it done. So, it, like, didn't go into his wrinkles or something. Yeah. So, it's all, like... But then he also has, like, just a dirt spot, like, right in between his eyebrows. It's so bad. And I would also like to point out that the only, like two genuinely scully centric episodes where maybe even just one where we where we analyze her her past her trauma mm. was writ- had to be written by Jillian Anderson. Yeah. Skinner himself gets another whole episode mm-hmm. about his time in Vietnam and all of that bullshit in the revival. Yep. And it's not like he is a character that requires development for the story to carry on. It's nice that they give it to him. Like, sure. I'm not saying that should be taken away, but your main no. character, it shouldn't be the An same thought. Yeah. No, um, because I think I'm just coming to the conclusion that this entire show is the embodiment of toxic masculinity and anything that strayed towards femininity, which they considered comp- compassion, romance, um, emotional development. They considered feminine, which they wanted to avoid at all costs. So expressing emotions yeah so scully got no exploration Exploration at all because it's that toxically masculine and like i'm pretty sure when chris carter says and when david Duchovny says 
that no one wants to watch them argue over who left the toothpaste cap off. They really mean no one wants to watch uh, and learn about the abundance and three-dimensionality of a woman. Yes, exactly. So as Mulder's leaving the FBI, Sloppy Toppy comes up out of nowhere (laughs) and hands him a plane ticket. He tells him to get on a plane that he's told the men who took Scully that Mulder has information about her in his desk in his apartment and that at 8.17 that night, they're going to search his apartment and he should be waiting for them to kill them because that's the only way he says because the law will not punish them. So basically Soppy Toppy is like, you really want to play this game. Like you are in love with the chase. Well, here's what it requires. He's like, you want to kill the people who did this to her? Here's your chance, Mm -hmm. you big macho man. Like, you really want to do this? Okay. So Mulder's waiting in his apartment. Someone knocks on the door. And it's Melissa. I know. And he makes (laughs) – he brings her into his apartment, and she's like, why is it so dark in here? And he says, because the lights are off. That's one of my favorite lines ever. Asshole. She reacts exactly the same way Scully would, which is really cute. I know. Melissa says that Scully's doctor said that she's weakening and that she could go at any time and that Melissa thought that Mulder would want to go and see her. This is like the whole plot. Like this scene holds so much. I have a lot of notes here. Um, And it's because Melissa is like, you're really basically Mulder's like, I can't, I can't go. And Melissa says, you're really not directly, but in it, you know, indirectly says, you're really going to sit here and do whatever you think will absolve you of whatever you're feeling about her dying, like a selfish asshole when all she needs is for you to sit by her and be by her side. Mm -hmm. That's really the choice you're going to make for yourself to absolve yourself of any anger that you're feeling. Like Melissa says, Melissa says, why is it so much easier for you to run around trying to get even than just expressing to her how you feel? Yeah. Which is like. Exactly. That sums it all up. Maybe the whole story. I I don't know. I don't know who they got to write Melissa Scully, but holy shit. But snaps all around. Yeah. Like she's saying exactly what we've all wanted to say, what we've all been thinking, not just this episode, like this entire series so far i think whoever wrote melissa's lines weren't realizing how palpable they were they're like oh this is just gonna challenge him and then um the actress who played melissa was like oh yeah i'm coming in with force totally but it's also it also um i get very very personally offended by melissa scully's plot line yeah um, to the point where it's actually brought me to tears multiple times if I think mm-hmm. about it for too long. And spoiler alert, um, but like <laughs> this is why her death is the cruelest thing I think personally that this show does. Yeah. The entire, like of the entirety of the show because she was such a beacon amongst so much fucking darkness maybe like the only yeah one and she was her own woman and she was beautiful and she was strong and she was hopeful and genuine and she believed in herself no matter how ridiculous she looked 
to anyone else. Yeah. In a way that Mulder never believed in himself because, like, they're supposed to be, like, the two, like, oddballs. Right. And Mulder liked the chase because he wanted answers for himself. Melissa devoted her life to herself and her beliefs because she wanted to grant peace to others. Mm -hmm. And they killed her for it. Yep. Every single thing that she says to Mulder here is warranted and is valid and is the only fucking reason that he ends up loving Scully in the way that he does. And they kill her. Yep. Like you articulate that perfectly. It bothers me. Like that's it, so valid, of course. To my core, of course, it's it's fucked up, and it's really indicative of just like the lack of care that's placed around that. Like it's like, oh, this character doesn't matter. We can just kill her to propel the plot. And it's exactly. like when she was making that much of an impact on people, like you watching, like that feels like shit. Well, that and it's also like, obviously, first there's Scully's abduction, and the and her medical rape that we later find out about and the violation that happened to her in addition to all of the other violations that happened to her outside of that abduction. Mm -hmm. And then they kill off her sister and then they give, bring a daughter into this world for Scully and they kill her Mm -hmm. and then they eventually kill her mother. Yep. And it's like, I get that it's not like it's not to say that that's any different than what they do to Mulder and his family, but the context matters very much. Oh, yeah, big time. And it's not even about it's not even about for the lack of care because of how people like me felt. It's just the lack of care that these writers felt for these fictional women that they were giving very non-fictional lives to. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a writer, you're bringing characters to life. That's why you embark on creating art like this. Cause you want to bring characters to life. You need to treat the characters that you're bringing to life with care. Like exactly. It makes no sense. And so then Melissa gets mad as she should. And she says, I expect more from you. Dana expects more, f- expects more. Mm-hmm. And the anger that she's expressing is feeding me. Like, I felt like fueled by her anger. And she calls him pathetic. And honestly, he needed to hear that. No, it's so warranted. But more than that, like, a woman deserved to express her anger towards him like that. Yeah. Yeah. But then she had to be killed for it. So like, IDK, I don't know. IDK, I don't know if it was worth it. Right. I mean, here's what, what I find really frustrating is that Melissa's whole point is like, Mulder, you need to stop making this about yourself and go show up for Scully, right? Like that's the moral of the whole conversation. And Mm -hmm. um, she's like getting even is getting even is making it about you. You need to be there for her. She deserves that. All of what you just said. Um, she's spot on and he does. And he does finally like not make it about himself and go be with her. So there's an, uh, an author that I found when I was watching this episode that I'm so mad that I didn't find when I was writing my thesis because it literally would have been perfect, but her name is Elise Ray Helford. And she, um, says, The alien abduction scenario central to the X-Files is a rape narrative. It echoes the countless stories in which 
women are abducted by sky gods, sky gods with agendas. It is also a contemporary version of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, subjected to experiments with super ovulation and hybridization that render her infertile. Scully is represented as every woman exploited for her body by the patriarchy and power. Um, and the X-Files completely sets up this classic rape, rape revenge by proxy trope, where a male character is seeking to avenge himself upon those responsible for the abuse of a female family member or friend or partner or whatever. Um, and it's a gross male power fantasy that certainly didn't originate here, but is perpetuated in the show like at great lengths. And this trope shows violent masculinity as a solution to sexual violence rather than as an ingrained societal problem. Like, again, it's just putting the attention on the wrong thing. It's like people praising Jillian for coming back after 10 days. It's like, that's not where the focus should be. Um, like, and I'm, I'm happy that Melissa got to express this anger towards him because some woman needed to do it. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm angry that she's framed as this motherly, this matronly figure who's setting him straight and who is really the driving force between him doing the right thing. I mean, it's just she is a facilitator of his growth in his journey it has she doesn't have her own growth or own she's not a fully fledged three-dimensional character she's just guiding him in this moment which is fucked up so then per melissa scully's words Mulder ditches the killing spree that he was about to embark on mm-hmm. and he goes and is by scully's side as he fucking should have without right. having to be told and then uh he talks to scully and this is like an interesting an interesting part that I wanted to get into a little bit because um, there are quite a few parallels, quite a few, I say. There's two parallels. <laughs> um, the first one is that Mulder says, I don't know if my being here will help bring you back, but I'm here. And in season 11, in Nothing Lasts Forever, um, there's a very, very similar sentiment expressed. Um, Mulder says to Scully, I don't know if any God is listening, but I'm standing right here and I am listening. And I sat with these two bits of dialogue for a while because when I first heard, I haven't watched this episode since I watched it for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And so obviously since then I've watched season 11 and when I first listened to that scene, it reminded me like spot on of the scene from season 11 and like I'm a slot for parallels. Yeah, so me I too. I love that shit. That. And I kind of came to the conclusion or a conclusion for now that Scully's God has let her down a lot, mm-hmm. um, like her specifically and how much she suffered and just simply by what she's going through now and what she will go through. Yeah. Um, but also through what she's seen and the tragedy that she's seen through her job, through life in general. Um, And so I think this declaration is like quite possibly the most meaningful thing that someone could have said to her Mm -hmm. because she can see him in front of her. I mean, obviously not now, but she can feel him in front of her, like directly there. And in season 11 can truly, see see him in front of her Mm -hmm. and that's all the proof that she needs which would explain why they eventually broke apart as well because Mm -hmm. even though he was physically there 
he he wasn't there for her right and so i think like another thing is that he take you know aside from listening to melissa scully when she said to go to her he takes also another piece of her advice to heart in his own way when she told him that she expects more of you or more from you and despite the fact that he thought he was doing all he could and that he wanted to do even more Mm -hmm. i think like him going is him accepting the fact that all he can do is be there for her and that in fact is enough Mm -hmm. for her yeah so even though melissa's language of like she expects more from you more was really not what he had envisioned at all, which goes back to that complex that you talked about. And I'm happy that Melissa Scully reined him in because with an all-male writer's room, this could have gone very differently and we could have never gotten this. It's true. It's definitely like I was – it's almost like Mulder is – I don't know how well I'm going to articulate this because I'm going off the top of my head, but um, it's almost like he's – like in a battle between two different types of toxic masculinity, if you know what I mean. Like, um, it's either he's gonna go with like the rape revenge narrative and, um, he's just gonna, um, like go and try to like kill and like avenge her death in whatever way that he feels will make him feel better, or he's going to choose support and compassion. And I'm still considering that support and compassion, a form of toxic masculinity, because I think it plays into him usurping her trauma and invading a place of safety created by women and also this like uh feeling of like false herohood like by him doing what the bare minimum is of him choosing compassion compassion and support that he's all of a sudden this like that's a very noble act of him to do and it like helps bring her back because she has the strength of his beliefs or whatever the fuck and so I still think that those are two different forms of toxic masculinity because one is um, that like rape revenge plot and the other one is like this usurping and this false herohood. I don't know if that makes any sense. That's interesting because I definitely see like I, I kind of see them in the same way just because I think that his false herohood needs to be violent. Like I don't think that we see uh heroism as something that's quiet right and so i think that 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 like his this male saviorhood feeds into this rape revenge plot line more so than it feeds into the compassion part of him usurping her trauma like i think by how aggressively he tries to avenge her that usurps her trauma i'll get into it in the end but i don't think that the compassion in, at least in the way that I interpreted it, I don't think that it ultimately usurps her usurps her trauma. One, simply because he listened to Melissa to Melissa when she told him how to love her. Mm-hmm. That's and fair. and I think I think it would have usurped her trauma if he had gone to be by her side and had went on this long monologue about how, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, this is where I'm supposed to be. And like, if only you knew like what I did to like, what I avoid, like what I uh, put aside to be here, then I absolutely think it would have been um, usurping her trauma. But I think the ultimate 
expression of love for Scully is to simply be there for her. Right. Right. And, and just because for other people that may be the bare minimum and it absolutely could be, I think that is the ultimate way to, to love her. Right. I'm not, I don't disagree with you at all. Like I do think that's the ultimate way to love her. And I do think that it, you can view it in a way that doesn't usurp her trauma based on her characterization. But I think the writer's intention was to have him by making this noble decision. That's what brings her back. Interesting. Okay. Well, let's continue. We'll discuss that. There was actually a huge, huge script change in what he says. Yeah. What he says when he goes to be by her side and, um, uh, he pulls up a chair and he sits next to her just as like he does in the, in the, in the final cut. But he says, the first time I saw you, Scully, I hated you. I couldn't let you see it. But when they told me they had assigned another agent, I knew you were put on to be my, to be a watchdog. I resented you in my life. And now, now I can't imagine my life without you. And. Oh my God. I, don't I didn't like- know that. I don't like the first part no. um, because he so clearly was just, just loved every second that she was next yeah, to him. Maybe that's why they cut they it. Met. Yeah. But the, I can't imagine my life without you part absolutely stands. Yeah. And people in the comments were saying it was too early. Like that seems like very dramatic. He clearly can't imagine his life without her, with how he's reacting to her nearly dying. Clearly. Again, like, I think that this episode is when he just accepts that he's in love with her. Like, genuinely. And he can't live without and I, her, yeah. And I say that because what we see in the show is them working together. Like, do they work together five days a week? Yes. But, like, we don't see all the intimacies of their late-night phone calls, all of their check-ins, all the meals that they eat together – we don't see all of those little things, all of those moments spent together that build, not necessarily even in a romantic way, but at this point, build a deeply rooted love mm-hmm. where her presence has become something and his life would be significantly less abundant without. And I wish that they kept that in. I know. The next morning, Mulder goes back to his apartment and his entire apartment is trashed and he's very sad, which... As he's weeping, I was like, this is just further proof that truly all they have is each other. Apartments will be trashed. Evidence will be stolen. Like, none of that really fucking matters. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to what Scully says in Little Green Men, which is like, evidence doesn't matter if you're dead. Like, again, it's just... it, it. he he needs to get it through his little fucking thick skull that none of this matters. I saw a lot of shit on Tumblr about comparing his apartment being ransacked like that to her violation and being um (laughs) raped in this abduction that's nasty isn't that gross that's like really oh my god Mulder's painting is hanging sideways now yeah yep that's the exact same thing as scully having her ova taken out of her body the 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 review asserted that the way that his apartment was ransacked and like gone through was that he was in a way raped and then was allowed into the place of women and femininity because he then had experienced that trauma this is a real thought that came from a man's brain 
And this is why I think that that ending moment can be like, it's all up to interpretation, obviously. And we can interpret it in the way that he's not usurping your trauma. But I really think that that was the intention. I, I am speechless. I am completely without speech. Isn't that disgusting? I read that and I was like, like my jaw cracked. It fell open so fast. I was like Mitch Pelleggi on Seriously, after like 20 years of doing the show. Yes. Oh my. Men yeah. want to be oppressed so badly. So badly. And then they said that that's why he's like allowed into this place of women and he chooses femininity over this toxic masculinity by coming in to be with Scully and her mom and her sister. And like, that's what ultimately saves her in the end was the fact that like he also experienced this trauma, which was a sacrifice to bring her back. The only reason that it's all women when she comes back from the dead is because her dad is dead. Her older brother has the exact same moral superiority complex of protection over her. So it wouldn't work. Yeah. So it would not work. And because her other brother is like estranged because everyone thinks that he's gay and was completely shut out by the rest of his family except Melissa and scully really they the writers just forgot he existed exactly either way that's that's why there's only women there the fuck it's so fucked up wow like maybe men whoever wrote that article maybe spent maybe spend like a quarter of the amount of of (laughs) spend a quarter of the amount of time that you spent writing that article on actually analyzing uh things that fucking matter they went through his desks. The same thing as being medically raped. And abducted. And in a coma. Like, yeah, brutally abducted from your home. Shoved into the back. Uh, gagged and bound. Shoved into the back <laughs> of a car. Yeah. yeah. They ruined his paper shredder. When I read yeah. Mulder was also in a way raped, I was like, hold the phone. I went back and reread that. was all <laughs> over the place. They tore up his favorite Playboy magazine. How will he ever recover? I know it's sad, though. Some of the X-Files moms probably believe that. I'm going to kill myself. So, <laughs> Scully's in a forest. Okay, so this shot of her bed. <laughs> <laughs> this shot of her... Why are you laughing? Because it was just so funny. <laughs> this shot of a bed turning into... Of, like, her the forest turning into a hostel room is exactly what my vision looked like on shrooms. Full stop. This, that is what it looked like. God, they really, like, CGI needed, quality? like, a couple more years. Why and they, they really shouldn't have that? approached that. So I think it's, is it supposed to be, like, a callback to the memory that Maggie Scully's were calling in the beginning or something? I just Oh, I didn't that. even think about that. That's a good Maybe. point. It could be. Uh, but she's alive. Mm-hmm. And the nurse is, like, passing by her bed, and she's like, holy shit. <laughs> She saw and her she's eyes. Like, what the fuck? I know her eyes open. Let's fucking go. Scully's like, I'm a bad bitch. You can't kill me. <laughs> and Mulder gets the call and he smiles and he I goes know. to see her. And Mulder gets there and he's so awkward. Like he's, he's like, so he's awkward. like, I don't want to cry in front of your family. Like he's so nervous in front of them. Like with her, it's so cute. Yeah, because like everything was like all a lot all at once yeah like that was the first time him and melissa met and melissa like was showing up at his part apartment uh yelling in his face about 
telling him how to love her sister. Yeah. And now like, she's back and it's supposed to, like, they have to, now they hadn't witnessed his dynamic with her before, exactly. like, in person. And so he's like, hey, I'm ready the Super Bowl tapes. Like, what the fuck? And he doofus. shows up with Super Bowl, a Super Bowl uh, VHS. So Maggie calls him Fox. And Scully speaks, and when I tell you <laughs> the relief, the chills I got when I heard this woman's voice again, like I had to <laughs> pause because I was so over and nearly brought me to tears. Scully says, Not Fox, Molder. <laughs> <sighs> okay, my baby's back. I missed her so much. I know we're really, we really threw it. <laughs> I, oh. So I like just kind of realized we're on the other side of this. Like Scully is never leaving me ever. (laughs) Okay. I've been waiting to get on the other side of this since our first episode. (laughs) Oh my God. I'm so excited. Okay. So uh, he's a doofus and he gets her a Super Bowl VHS and she makes a joke about knowing that there was, you know, a reason to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, what does she say? I knew there was, a, knew reason there was a reason to, to live. live. So then she says, Mulder, wait, I had the strength of your beliefs. Then he gives her her cross necklace back, which I interpreted as a way to say of him saying, I think the strength of your own beliefs was enough. And then I say that because in nothing lasts forever in season 11 he says in that same scene he says i may not believe in god but i believe in you and i think that this was a similar sentiment to that mm-hmm. that's a good point because i don't think that he responds to her saying i i had the strength of your beliefs he just hands her her necklace you're right in the fact that they would if it was misogynistic and like it was him usurping and like saving her they would have done it in a more obvious way um that's a good point i didn't think about that Jillian is looking rough and should absolutely be laying in bed, but should definitely not be on camera on a set working. God damn it. No, I wrote, I like had just taken a hit when I took this note. So I wrote at the beginning, maybe I'm just high, but I wrote, um, I'm looking at this strong, beautiful woman. And I know that she was so exhausted and dealing with so much. And she looks so natural and beautiful nonetheless, and is just glowing and full of love. And, and just thinking about where she is now just gives me so much hope in my life. and makes me feel so happy and proud of her, but it makes me fucking furious that that one interview, Peter Morgan was like, you killed the you that was in the X-Files. Like, where did you hide the body? she didn't kill her younger self and it's by loving and accepting and cherishing the younger versions of herself that we step into that strength and power and beauty and like shut the fuck up like it all of this exists within her and i like that's why she's so incredible and it's fucked up that she had to go through this but like i just admire the shit out of her and i hate men yep pretty much the only reason she is the woman that she is today is because at one point she was this woman that we are watching on our screen exactly And so the episode ends with Scully wanting to thank Nurse Owens, but um, the nurse was like, bitch, I've worked here for 10 years. (laughs) There's never been someone named Nurse Owens who works here. And so, again, I think, like, Dana Catherine Scully is truly the most powerful being maybe ever Mm -hmm. to ever live because it was the strength of her own tuition in the strength of her own intuition 
and her own beliefs that um, made her realize, and Melissa Scully a little bit, Mm -hmm. that made her realize that it was not her time. That's beautiful. And that she had more to do. Yeah, she had more fucking shit to do. Damn straight. That's beautiful. And that is three. That is one breath. And we made it over the hump. And you did it with us. You made it over the hump. And Dana Scully is never leaving us ever again. No, thank God. <laughs> thank God. We did it. Oh my God, we did it. What a beautiful note to end the episode on. That was a really beautiful note. I see why after rewatching it, one breath is on so many top lists. Because mm-hmm. like you said, like especially with the urgency, but there's a lot happening. Like it's a very... They, I was reading about how they wrote three in one breath back to back. The writers did, um, and they definitely—that's a shock. <laughs> yeah, they clearly put more energy into one over the other. <laughs> I don't even know how that's. I can't even see that being a reality. Right. They busted them out like at the same time. Like they were like workshopping them together, and I'm like, and the oh, only yeah. parallel you could manage was the snake. Okay. <laughs> But one breath really has a lot going on. There's a lot of depth there. And uh, so that's it. That's it. Oh my God. Thanks for listening. Me too. The episodes just get so much better. I'm so happy my baby's back. I know. Um, And that's the episode. And we're so grateful for you. Thank you for listening. And we made it over the hump together. I feel like we should all get sweaters or something. I don't know. I know, seriously, like everyone eat a piece of chocolate. Yeah. Crack open a drink, (laughs) smoke a bowl, eat some chocolate, and we'll see you next time on On The Sex Files. Bye. Bye.